Radio Primavera Sound, powered by SEAT. Welcome to the Weekly Review, the radio show where Rob Roman, the technician, presses play and two adults known as Ben Cardew and Johan Wald try to make sense of the world as we, as we see it on internet with the help of a bright young person named Marvai Verdu. This week, we kind of celebrate that musical genre that called dad rock. You see, certain bands seem to make albums for the kind of men who growl at the electric bill, the youthful fads, and the decline of Western civilization. Such albums like The War on Drugs, I Don't Live Here Anymore, serve as a sort of balm for the midlife angst. Then comes Ed Sheeran, who makes the kind of pop mothers enjoy, which in turn keeps dads happy. Another thing that people who look after kids enjoy is celebrity gossip. Why do we find the lives of the rich and famous fascinating? Well, Mar will try to answer that since she's hooked on a new kind of celeb hunt site called De Moi. And speaking of fascination with the rich and famous, I shall Johan explain why Luis Miguel is the best TV show ever made. Today's show is about dad music and nothing falls quicker into the dad rock genre than Band of Horses, who have announced a new album with a title that screams dad sentiment. Things are great. Only a dad can pronounce such a phrase every once in a while. While people of all ages from the LGBTQ community, people of color, indigenous tribes, women still fight for equality and deal with day-to-day -day harassment, abuse and oppression, sometimes you'll hear a man who has just sent his children off to summer camp and finished a T-bone steak at his favorite diner say, ah, things are great. <laughs> I too have uttered these words often. Oblivious to the collective woes we face as a species, that is the privilege of being a dad surrounded by modern communities commodities. Anyway, we shall talk more about the state of dad rock or dad pop further ahead, but not before we let the children speak first. Two grown men losing touch like everyone else. We're in a rut, but alas, alas, we have a guiding star with her finger on the pulse. Mar! Mar Valverdu, oh my God. young child, your skin looks fabulous, your hair shines, you have all this wonderful energy, let us steal You've some of it. You've got a song for crying out loud. Yeah, it's, it will not never be my favorite thing ever. What, our song? <laughs> Good Lord. I love how she's like giving us shade, her shade giving gets stronger no, by the week. No, it's you know? real, I love it, I yeah. want to. You love it, but it will never be your favorite thing ever. It will never not be. Oh, never not, oh. right, oh sorry. Oh, Right, these right, young right. people, these double, these double negatives. <laughs> it's a thing now. Double negatives is, is totally normal. To, to It's accepted in modern parlance. Oh, am, are we going to have to do a grammar corner? I think so. Yeah, okay, yeah. all right. Okay. What do you we'll bring... postpone that. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you bring today? Today, I'm going to start um, my rant as every rant I have started in this podcast. And 
um, saying the other day I was on TikTok and I saw uh, a girl that basically said, I think my favorite part of the day is sitting down and reading the moi like I'm a 60-year-old like man reading the morning paper with a <laughs> cup of coffee. Like I need to soak it all in. I need to read the, the celeb gossip. Mm. And I must admit, I am also this girl. Like I, I felt like we knew each other. She knew about me. I knew about her. We were the same person. I'm here to basically public shame myself. I'm, I'm not going to pretend <laughs> I, I have read some sort of inner piece that allows me to not have this urge of every morning checking the most stupid anodine things celebrities are up to. Like I'm just an ordinary girl in an ordinary world and <laughs> this is what the world, world is up to apparently. Mm -hmm. But first of all, if you're lost, what the F is the moi? The because moi. that's the basically the, the part of the story that might be missing now. Um, so the moi is an Instagram account uh -huh. that has become extremely, extremely popular this last year. So it's been up uh, since March or something like this. It's not even been a year. And and it already has a million, more than a million followers now. Yeah. And, and the whole thing is basically it being like a real life gossip girl where you send in anonymous tips about anything celebrity related. Like it, it doesn't matter. It can be from you saw um, Chris Evans ordering a coffee in your local coffee shop. So you just send her the, the coffee order he had. Mm. Well, can I just say something? I read a New York Times article about Dumois and it said apparently the stuff that goes really well is the most banal the, stuff. Yep. It, it, it's, it's like a, literally a coffee order. It's literally like the, the, the coffee kind of, order. Yeah, like, no, not like a like a Chris Evans getting into a fight with a gas station assistant. There's no? other stories like that, but that you can also see on TMZ. And and what makes the more special is that you have the most boring shit ah. celebs are up to, and you cannot read that anywhere else. And it's like, oh, I'm sitting in this restaurant, and next to me is this actor with his girlfriend, and you're like, okay. And now I have this information. I didn't have it prior to looking. It is kind of genius because it is not something that anyone has done before. Like mm -hmm. that level of, of mundanity. Mon extreme mundane, extreme trivial stuff that <laughs> apparently we shouldn't care about. But no, here we are, a million people looking at these <laughs> stories. I always think that this kind of thing works well because it kind of calms down your brain a bit because it's just like, mm -hmm. it's you know, it, the actual importance of it is is zero and it's just quite calming it's like oh yeah he has he has um a, a flat white all it, right it's, fine well yeah, that's, that's the effect of reading like gossip magazines when you see celebrities on holiday right no they're the summer edition of quarter it's like mm. oh yeah it's just like people sunbathing that's it but they're famous or whatever but this is even, even bringing lower. it even lower yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, we yeah. have gone even lower to hell now we're these horrible horrible people that care about the most stupid stuff but there are also like there's you can see um your second secondary actors um a coffee order or whatever but you can also see um juicy stuff and when it's juicy it's called blind item items blind uh, items which is a term that i recently learned because i this is my knowledge now ah. and blind items basically mean um information that is subject to being so scandalous it could possibly lead to a lawsuit for defamation or something like that so it's written as a sort of riddle so now you're part of a game now <gasps> it's I, not only like a coffee order now you're like now i'm playing the game now i have to sort this out now can it's i like clue can I interject there? Didn't either of you read Pop Bitch? 
I mean, you probably weren't alive back in the time. I don't remember so reading they, they Basically, when I... It was like early 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s, it became, it became really big. And it was big on blind items. And it, it, mm-hmm. um, that was when I, when I first encountered them. And it had like a um, uh, notice board back when they were like a really big thing. And I remember like I, I used to work at a place and we could use like the internet in between, in, in between like classes basically and i was absolutely stuck to it it was incredible it's just like Look stuck at that there. it's like you also had the, like an addiction to the first demois that ever existed. yeah yeah so the, the, it's that's... not that i'm insane you were also insane where you were younger and maybe now still i just really like the way it's moved on from from like notice boards which no one really uses anymore to, well i guess reddit's kind of notice board isn't it but like mm-hmm. this is you know this is a very um Modern, um, modern way of doing it. And do you know, do you know what else I love or hate or not quite sure about Dumois is the woman just doesn't try to check any of it. No, that, that, I think the same with with Popovich. I don't think I might be wrong. No, I think they do occasionally try to check it, but she's just like, no, don't. I don't it's I don't. not. Yeah, she. Part of the of the deal is like I'm not gonna fact check anything. I'm just gonna post it. I I, I don't care. That's not my job. I'm just gonna post everything, oh. and you're gonna decide if it's. True or not, um, not up to me. Um, and and that's part of the game, not only the riddle, but also deciding if it's true or not, because it's not verified. So that basically a blind item, you can, there's like rules that um, kind of help you um, sort out who are they talking about. Like, for example, and I have like a little dictionary here. Um, when they talk about illiterate actress or, or socialite or whatever, it's not that it's a, a woman or someone that can't read, um, but that their name letter and the short name letter are, are the same, like Kim Kardashian or Meghan Markle or stuff like that. So when what? they say what? illiterate actress, um, divorced, um, famous A-list um, singer, now you know Kim and Kanye, um, you could possibly figure out that they're possibly talking about Kim and Kanye and you get the information months before it's announced to the press because these are like maybe a lawyer that works with them that is like I want to oh. talk about it but I I don't want to get a, a lawsuit because I would be breaking an NDA or whatever so, they so it's even like altruistic because they're not going to make any money from selling mm-hmm. an exclusive to TMZ so yeah, yeah, it's like it's just, just giving out free yeah. gossip information Ooh. yeah but that's the thing when you start on it when you start like I remember like starting on Pop Bitch and and just being there on the boards, just thinking, oh my god, if I had some, if I had some uh, gossip, it would be incredible. I'd definitely, definitely go there. I mean, because it's just like you see all this stuff, you're like, I want to be part of this. I, <laughs> I understand, like it's weird because you're like risking your job potentially if mm-hmm. you're if you're someone like a lawyer. But it's like I gotta just be in this. Yeah, I need to talk to someone about this, and then you go on the internet and just post a, a blind item. Yeah, the one that's got now the most popular blind item we now have I'm going to read it to you and let's see if you can sort this one out says um, this A-list comedian who was previously in a relationship with a pregnant woman called it squids because the guy the A-list comedian was caught cheating with another woman Uh, she's pretty famous I'd say say an A-list celebrity herself but probably not an obvious choice in the public's eye I work in publicity and had to say something who do you think this is? I about? know Owen Wilson had, who's a comedian, well, a comic mm-hmm. actor, ha, uh, had issues with uh, recognizing a child. 
Allegedly. Allegedly. Yeah, everything we're saying is allegedly. Allegedly, allegedly. We don't want any losses. It was one of these TMZ horrible (laughs) things that I ended up clicking on. It's like, yeah, Owen Wilson, who I I always adored, all of a sudden he's like not so cool because he kind of won't like, yeah, he doesn't want to recognize a a kid. Uh, Allegedly. Um, It's not that one? It's about John Mulaney and Olivia Munn, which has been the celebrity <gasps> drama of the year because John Mulaney divorced Anna Marie Tendler, who were so in love and all his shows were about her. And then just a week later, he was announcing he had a new girlfriend who was pregnant. So we all know he cheated on the way from divorce to having a new pre- pregnant girlfriend. But uh, now do apparently, we all know that or is that just a unsubstantiated rumor? Huh? Is that unsubstantiated? Do we know that, or is that unsubstantiated rumor? Which one? The part that all, uh, all of Mann, everything, everything. Olivia Munn is pregnant and is with John Mulaney, but now apparently they might not be together anymore because maybe John has cheated again. And this uh, um, is popular because a guy on TikTok was like, "Oh, I saw this item, and I'm pretty sure I figured out it's John Mulaney and Olivia Munn because I have w- friends that work in the industry that kind of confirmed it could be that, but." Obviously, none of this is, mm, like Ben said, um, it's just a speculation. None of it is fact-checked except for a guy on TikTok that you have to trust, that you don't know him and and he's just there saying whatever he wants and could be just lying. Like, I could make a video now and saying, oh, yes, I'm Olivia Munn's cousin and I say this is true. Like, just everything, not only this one about um, Olivia Munn and John Mulaney, everything is just pure speculation. So the question is why do we care so much? Why do we bother reading about uh, Timothy Chalamet gets his coffee? Or (laughs) why do we waste our time on blind items and speculating whether it's true or not or who is about? Like, why do we waste our time in that? Like, it's just, to me, the moi is um, the same toxicity um, we were all so disturbed about months ago about la- the paparazzi culture that destroyed Britney's life and a, a lot of other celebrities Princess in Di. 2000. Princess Di was one, one, one exactly, of the great moments exactly. in, in history where everyone thought, you know what, maybe this whole celebrity addiction we mm-hmm. have and paparazzi and culture. did nothing about it. Did yeah, nothing. And it I remember and Madonna like making a really powerful speech at the VMAs of that year or after when Princess Di died and it was like, that's it's going to end now. And mm-hmm. I really kind of believed that it was going to end now, like the the way and no, yeah, no. <laughs> and now we're saying. talking about it. We talk a lot about Lady Di and talk about a lot about Britney, and we're like, yes, that was so toxic of us. How did we allow that to happen? And it's like we're we're still doing it. We're do still you know? buying we're the magazine. We're just not paparazzi with cameras attacking the mm. celebrities. Maybe it's even, even worse. Though now it's people with now their phones. Pe- now it's us. We are the paparazzi. Yeah, now it's more low-key, no! but it's still scary. Like, imagine being at a restaurant and knowing that potentially someone was reporting, like everyone in the restaurant was reporting every single one of your moves. I would be paranoid all the time. Like, is this kid um, sending a photo of me to the moi or... It's also even if you're not famous, if you're just like someone, you're drunk at a wedding and you're mm-hmm. having always, and sometimes you look and you'll see someone is recording you, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, and it's like, shit, am I going to become a, 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 yeah. a meme yeah. or, a, or, a, or go viral? And it's a it's a thin line because I think there are people who are going out on the street, like trying to call, like get filmed, 
like doing flash mobs mm -hmm. or doing that every, uh, physically fit, physically fit <laughs> dance or whatever. Or, you know, it's like, I know that if I do this in a cafe in, in Paris in front of people, like people watching, I'm going to be, I'm going to be become someone on TikTok or something. No, there's that little dangerous line. Have so you, all of a sudden, yeah. uh, uh, oh, sorry. Have you ever done the thing where you were like, there's a celebrity and you don't want to seem like you're taking a picture of them. So you take a picture of your mate. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or, yeah. You, or you pretend you're taking a selfie. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah I did yeah, it yeah. the other day and yeah. I feel a little bit shit with for whom? it. With whom? Uh, there was a guy on the plane sat next to me who looked just uh, like Larry Oh, yeah, David. yeah, yeah. He looked exact because he had the he mask on. It was some Catalan man. Most Catalan men of a certain age <laughs> look like Larry David. Do you know it was? Or did... It wasn't Larry David, obviously. Hey, you never know. <laughs> you never know, but uh, he might love it could have been. Could, I mean, he had the mask on, but he had the same hair, the same. It seemed like he had the same stature. He, the clothes, the the glasses, the rims. It was like, wow, this guy looks so much like Larry David. I'm gonna take a selfie of myself with him in the background. Mm. I didn't feel like I was violating his um, intimacy because he was kind of sideways. It's not like mm -hmm. anyone would recognize him after and laugh at him, like aha, you, you know. It wasn't. I don't know, but it was very uh, unethical. But yeah, of me. it's. We're not gonna pretend we're not part of this culture. Like, if I saw someone I admire a lot, if I don't know, I saw Kim in the street, I'm not gonna pretend I would not take a, a picture of her. Of course, I would. It's just that it's, we have a problem. <laughs> but yeah. once again, yeah. I was going to say, Paul McCartney recently said that he's not going to be signing any more autographs or doing any more pictures. He's like, well, if someone sees me in the street, why don't they have a have a chat with me? Mm -hmm. Oh, And I, I remember thinking, like, well, good on you. And then I started thinking, oh, no, because if I met Paul McCartney in the street, I would absolutely, definitely, definitely want to have a picture with mm -hmm. him, yeah. you know? Because like he, he said sort of like, well, you know, what's the point of having my, my, my signature on a piece of paper? Like, everyone knows it's me. And it's like, yes, yeah. but I've got to show it to people, yeah. Paul. Yeah. For, you know, yeah, you, uh, yeah. look, that, that's one of my greatest regrets. Like I once bumped into Leah Thompson, who was she was the actress. She is the actress who was in Back to the Future playing uh, um, Michael J. Fox's mother. Uh, she was a, a star in the 80s. Howard the Duck, which was one of my favorite movies when, when I was a child. So I saw her and she looked exactly the same. And it was like. Oh, I, but it's like, I'm not going to bother her. She was in, and, and she looked like she would have taken a picture. She was in a good mood with her family outside a hotel. And, and it's like, no, I'm not going to do it. And I regretted it to this day. And then there were two other people who I did ask and, and told me no, very politely, Johnny Greenwood and PJ Harvey. And they did it in a way which made me respect them even mm -hmm. more because they never played into being like celebrities or that kind of thing. And it's like, you know what? Uh, no, uh, I don't, I don't do that. Later, I've seen that they do take selfies with other fans and stuff, but it's like, well, why don't you take them? With me? <laughs> well, no, maybe the other people didn't ask. That's the thing. Maybe the other people just, just like went, lent in, yeah. you know, and you, yeah. you, by being. I, polite, I was you so know? polite. I was standing next to Johnny Greenwood, like he was watching Primal Scream from the side of a stage, and I'm like, oh, great show, Radiohead. Do you mind if we take a picture? And he's like, no, sorry. And mm. and and maybe if I would have just engaged and chatted and talked about guitar pedals and effects, I probably would have had him there for an hour with me. Oh. But I don't know anything about pedal effects. I would have been <laughs> faking it anyway. Sorry, continue, Mar. Sorry. Yeah, no, I'm because I I feel like I have the answer to why are we so obsessed? Why do we want to take a, a picture when we see Leah Thompson? Yeah. Um, or or anyone like that we admire? It's because parasocial relationships, baby. Because uh, I'm throwing Par a lot of terms. Parasocial relationships. Yeah. Parasocial. Parasocial. Parasocial relationships basically means this fake intimacy we feel with celebrities, movie characters, news anchors, people that we don't know, but we feel like we do know on a personal level because we know stuff about them. That's the reason why when 
Kylie Jenner confirmed she her second pregnancy a few months ago. I felt like I almost shed a tear. It feels like <laughs> a close friend of mine was telling me she was pregnant. I was like, oh my God, that's so emotional. I'm so happy for you. It's like, Kylie Jenner doesn't know you, girl. She doesn't care. <laughs> she, you. But it's this unidirectional... Yeah, unidirectional bond that, that doesn't mean that because of it's unidirectional, it's less intense. Yeah, uh -huh. you feel that, that. That's why people were devastated for John Mulaney's and Anna Tendler's divorce. And people were like, oh, you don't even know them. But it's like, yeah, but some people do feel like they know this relationship. Like there's, uh, there's this parasocial relationship going on and it's not a bad thing per se. It, it, it's just... For example, one of the most intense parasocial relationships I have seen among people my age or even younger is um, with Emma Chamberlain. Everyone feels, I think I talked about her mm -hmm. a few, like yeah. a long time ago, yeah. but Emma Chamberlain, everyone my age and younger feels like we share, we all share this best friend who is Emma and, and we are, but none of us actually know her, but we just feel this friendship and this we feel caring towards her because she invites you to her life in such a welcoming way. And it's just this harm harmless feeling of, of belonging in her life somehow. Um, and, it, and it's not... It's, if people, for example, tend to feel lonely or someone who doesn't have that many friends, it, it's nice to have this connection, even if it's with someone that you don't know and maybe will never know. It doesn't mean it's bad. However... Despite having that and maybe having a, a healthy relationships with Emma Chamberlain or whoever you feel close to and don't know, there's a line between these harmless parasocial relationships and and feeling devastated when bad things happen to people you care about mm -hmm. that you don't know or good stuff happens to people that you care about and that don't know and this just plain right talking going on in the moi. Um, and I, yeah, that's just toxicity. And I don't know how we could make it less toxic because a healthy so society is going to have gossip. It, it's part of how we work. If we're social um, animals. We just It's part of who we are. We're mm -hmm. not going to pretend it's going to stop somehow. But how do we take away the toxicity? Well, a, a friend's mum was telling me over the weekend that apparently when we gossip... No, who was it? no, it wasn't. A, it was a friend's wife. That when we gossip, apparently we use we're like we're using the same part of our brains that fleas you uh, that um, various types of monkeys use when they pick fleas off each other. It's so like one of those guilty like pleasures, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Or picking at a scab, you know, or like Ugh, you know, and you're you're eating the the dry skin. Mm. No, I don't think it's no, the, the, you're eating the dried skin. Oh yeah, I love. I love oh that. Jesus, it's, 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 this is a revelation, but it's a guilty pleasure. I know. I'm, I, I, I'm glad I'm at the other end of the table. There's a texture <laughs> and and like dry blood. Mm. Oh, Johan, how it your teeth stick and, and duck, duck. Oh, we're I gonna call it. the police now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, I, I understand the nitpicking. So yeah, so that yeah, that's a very good analogy. I've, well, no, no, they said it's not an allergy. They said it's actually, like, scientifically proven. Like, they kind of, you know how you can do that thing where you, like, see which part of the brain light up mm -hmm. when, when you're doing things? Like, yeah. they kind of did it with uh, some sort of ape, I'm not sure which, and they're basically like, they saw which parts of the brain light up when they're picking nits off yeah. someone. And then yeah. they did it, like, they're with, with people kind of gossiping, apparently. It's exactly the same parts of the brain. Oh That's my amazing. God. We have to learn how to take out, um, what what's it called? Like, the... Nits? 
Yeah, needs um, out of our heads without being toxic. That's the my goal now. Discovering how well can the I... toxicity comes maybe when so many people focus their attention on one celebrity and then that celebrity kind of feels hounded by press, paparazzi, their attention, the comments on Twitter, mm -hmm. the negative, mm -hmm. the negative uh, back and forth. It's like there's nothing worse than praising the artist you love on social because then you're going to get like. Um, um, uh, Uh, resistance from people like I don't think it's that great it's like oh she's not that talented or she's not that pretty or he's not that you know yeah. that cool I, I have a solution right a friend of mine's uh, great uncle used to have a rescued orangutan oh. <laughs> and um, not far from here actually in the hills in the hills of Catalonia and um, basically the orangutan was, was in a cage I'm not saying oh. it's cool to have orangutans or in a cage but you know it was rescued it'd been treated okay. badly okay And if you went and sat by the cage, as I did, and stuck your arm out, this orangutan would, like, pick through your hair, picking out fleas. I don't think I had fleas, but, like, <laughs> you know, doing that kind of thing and ever so often put one in the mouth. And it was absolutely great. And that is my solution, right? If we can't, if, if gossiping is activating the same parts as, like, a uh, monkey's picking fleas off each other, why don't just get a monkey to pick fleas off you? <laughs> and then we will stop... That's very intelligent. We should all have monkeys <laughs> picking our fleas and we the moi would be ruined. Exactly. It's over exactly. for the moi once we all get a monkey. <laughs> well, okay, we got it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. animal therapy, you know, possessing an animal and having to take care of... This is very dad, isn't it? Taking care of other life doesn't leave, leave much time to spend gossiping and, and letting the gossip take over you and start becoming a troll on internet, saying bad things about celebrities and or becoming obsessed with them and stalking them. You know, it, it, there's a part of the parasocial thing that well, when people take it too far, it's like, oh, that person is singing to me. Those lyrics are speaking about mm -hmm. my life. They must know me. And and that well that's a, that's that's a psychological um, the thing no that happens to people when they believe it and they end up stalking, and it's like dude you're freaking me out it's like you yeah. know everything about my life you're following me you know exactly what time I get off work you know it's scary and sadly it seems to happen more to female celebrities than male celebrities although well no true it's it's very vulnerable. Hmm. Do we listen to a song? Yep. Uh, right, apparently I heard Dua Lipa, you were saying, is actually a fan of Dumois. Yeah, Dua Lipa follows Dumois. There's a lot of celebrities that follow Dumois. Now that just... We could just look into that. Why would they do that? No, it's, they... it's like Basically, it's just like saying, look, for, like get all my gossip right now. Mm -hmm. um, so I thought we'd listen to something by Dua Lipa, right? And I thought, how about a song called Not My Problem? <laughs> hey. Very fitting. We're doing good. Dua Lipa, fabulous pop star, pop music made in the greatest way. Uh, speaking of pop music, made maybe not in the greatest way, but in a very obvious way and is going to sell millions of records of this new album is Mr. Ed Sheeran. Ben, you've 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 listened to the whole thing, right? I have, and it confuses me, okay? <laughs> Because I, right, I'm not, I've got not anything particularly against the gym, but I don't I don't like the music, right? Mm. And I was trying to like, but obviously millions and millions of people love it, right? And I was trying to work out who, and I thought it's young people. So who, who's our young person correspondent, Ma? Mm. And I went up to Ma, and I was like, Ma, do you do you like Ed Sheeran? She went, No, I thought it was old people like you. Um, and I said, 
No, it's not me. No one my age likes Ed Sheeran. So it's like, who likes Ed Sheeran? What it's about an mystery. children, like young, like children, like for eight from eight to fourteen year olds, and the 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 parents who take them to school. My kids like the odd Ed Sheeran song, but like they don't know who it is. Yeah. Right, they don't know who Ed yeah. Sheeran is. Um, and I am a parent that takes them to school, and I do not like it. <laughs> um, uh, but no, okay. So I decided, I decided to do some research into who actually like because it, it was just confusing me. It's like who likes Ed Sheeran, and I did some exclusive research. Do you have the exclusive button? No, we got we got rid of it. All right. <laughs> People who love Ed Sheeran, Norwegians. Apparently, all Norwegians of all ages love Ed Sheeran. Um, uh, someone, the, the Thea Davis, who said this, I think his biggest fan might be my cousin Nikolai, who is 38. Uh, somebody else said uh, that it might be a class thing. They think like upper class people like Ed Sheeran, mm -hmm. which I don't think yeah. would quite explain it. But somebody else said f female, uh, female friends like his music. They are between 25 and 30 years old. But I think in general, people with very commercial taste like his music. Uh, someone said, I often think back to that quote from The Office uh, on the Black Eyed Peas. It's rock for people who don't like rock, rap for people who don't like rap, which is a little bit harsh. <laughs> um, and uh, Mark called him the Dan Brown of the music game, art for people who don't consume much art. So this is basically, th this is who likes Ed Sheeran. Uh, people 25 to 30, which doesn't include you. No, but yeah. I'm almost there. Doesn't almost there. Well, Maybe the next year I'm going to be a Ed Sheeran fan. <laughs> Coming are you, soon. Are you Norwegian? Um, maybe next year I'm going to change nationality soon. <laughs> I'm going to become a full-on. But the other, so the other thing is, right, okay, so none of us particularly like Ed Sheeran, but maybe, Johan, you and I should, because his new album is all about being a dad. In fact, the very first line on the album is, I have grown up, I am a father now. Everything has changed, but I am still the same Somehow, I I heard those lyrics. It's like wow, the album starts like that, so it's speaking directly to me. But I'm not interested in what he's selling. <clears throat> <clears throat> Sorry, excuse me. <clears throat> um, it's like uh, it's well done what he does. It's so, but it's so vanilla. It just it's like the refreshments, the Coca Cola. It's like so, a product so perfectly designed, the perfect amount of saccharin, the perfect amount of color. It's all there, ready to be on the front line of the supermarket, and it's going to show. But pff, I'm not interested in those products. Coca-Cola's like... great. Well, I think it is. I like it. Do we not like Coca-Cola? I, I can enjoy... Exactly. I can enjoy one from time to time, but generally after half a can, I'm tired of it, especially if it's not at the right temperature. But no, isn't? Mm -hmm. but there's a time where you just want... For me, personally, you just want like a, a Coke, yeah. Coke Zero, right? Yeah. And there is never a time when <laughs> I just want Ed Sheeran. I get it with uh, McDonald's. Sometimes, uh, at a certain moment, I crave... A, a Big Mac. And I know there are gourmet burgers. I know there's fast aiders, incredible burger patties right around the corner of my house. But sometimes in my body, my body, I'm, my mind's telling me no, but my body. Okay, I, I've just gone into the most cancelling garden ever. You I'm, really I'm have. I'm quoting R. Kelly. Get out of that. <laughs> and I need it. I need it. And I think uh, for a lot of people, um, Ed Sheeran is that. I might remind, uh, I don't want to, I, I respect him. I respect what he's done, and, and I'm amazed at what he can do live all on his own. I know Rob, our technician, he's seen him live, and he has plenty of arguments Who to defend. Who is between 25 and 30, correct? Yeah. Well, he's just, just over 30 now, but when he's... 28. 28, he's exactly. 28. He falls 28. in the right, right age group. His sister lives in Norway, 
correct? Ah, yeah. Yeah. Rob's sister lives in Norway, so it's all falling into place. So, yeah. You know what? I think this is... Uh, a lot of his fans, a lot of his female fans especially, it's because a lot of the, this new album, it, uh, it reminded me a little bit of Justin Bieber. And even his voice, the way he sings, it's like, you know what? I don't really differentiate between Justin Bieber and, and, and the recent Justin Bieber and Ed Sheeran. So I think a lot of the... The Bieber fans who have now who are now in their 30s uh, or or late 30s or whatever, I think this is the album for them. It's the kind of music they were listening to in their post college years. So it's like an album that reminds them of that happy time when they're just about to get their first job and something that they like. You know, they start working for a magazine like Anne Hathaway and The Devil Wears Prada, mm -hmm. and everything's falling into place. Do you think Anne Hathaway and The Devil Wears Prada would listen to this Ed Sheeran album? Yeah. Yes. Her character, that, yeah, yes. I, I don't, I not, still, not, I'm not. Not when she was working for okay, the Miranda okay, Sawyer, okay, but before, when she yeah. starts to have her own kids and has changed job and moved on. And it's like, this is an album that, oh, this is, this sounds like the kind of stuff that I'm into. And, and especially if the guy's singing about I'm a dad now and uh, I'm chilling out and I'm not partying so hard anymore because I have something that's filling my life more. I think that's the kind of sentiment. You know what? It's the kind of music, like there's a song called Fast Times. This is the kind of song that a husband will send to his friend who knows how to edit videos. He's like, dude, I need to make an anniversary video for my wife. I need you to use this song because she's going to love this song. She's going to love this kind of vibe. Here, use this. You know, that's the, that's the vibe. Do you know what I find quite fascinating about Sharon Wright is it's totally post-genre. Like, he starts off with, like, a rock track, then, like, something weird and electronic, then <clears throat> an R&B stuff. It just jumps all over the place. It's, it's quite... Well, that's what a pop album has to be these days. Is I'm surprised there wasn't a little bit of a reggaeton number on there. Or is there? I haven't finished listening to it. <laughs> or a latin -y kind of... <laughs> no, no, there, there isn't. That, that's kind of Ooh, the one thing. He's strange. done that, though. Shape of, shape yeah, of shape Me of, was, was quite sort of... Shape of you. I'm in love with your body. But there's, there's oh, like oh, Bad oh, Habits, oh, which is one of the singles, is like kind of acoustic house, a bit trancey. And oh, mm. my God, it's, 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 it's terrible. Acoustic <laughs> house. Acoustic house is so... It's 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 mom and dad in Ibiza. We've left the kids. We've left the kids with the with the grandparents. We're going to Ibiza, and we're gonna when we have a compilation of music where there's this kind of acoustic guitar house music. Ah, no. But you know who's produced a lot of this album? Who? Someone who we like. Fred again. What? Yes. Okay. No. Damn it. Okay. Yep. I love Fred again. You see, but oh that's. Oh my god! Did you? notice before knowing the information like can you tell oh no no no, no. what, what, what happens is basically um when you listen i use apple music right um mm -hmm. and when you're on that um you uh you liner notes yeah you get liner notes basically and um it, it kind of he was talking all about working with fred that's like fred which fred and it's like fred again it's like oh my good god some of the beats are all right i've got to say that some of the beats are not not too bad uh, for example, Collide has got uh, has got an all right beat, and Two Step has got a sort of all right beat. Um, but I I was a bit disappointed um, about that. Um, also, I, I, I noticed that you said about uh, the song "Be Right Now." If Keen made a banger, yeah, horrible. I mean, Keen, I uh, this you've you've opened my little garden here. I defend Keen from the beginning. I love. 
keen. I've always known it's like I can't say it out loud in my hipster bar with, with my hipster friends or anything. I'm gonna, like, I like keen, but I was re I every everyone every Sun every not every Sunday, but every once in a while on a Sunday, I will listen to Keen's hopes and fears, and I will punch the air in joy. Seriously, Keen, uh, Dad Rock at its finest. I tell you what, do you know do you know one thing I did like on the Ed Sheeran album, which I thought was quite impressive? Uh, the song First Times opens with the ultimate, ultimate humble brag, right? Mm -hmm. the, the opening lines, I thought it'd feel different playing Wembley, 80,000 singing with me. <laughs> that's an amazing, amazing. What a that's not even a humble brag. That's just a, a, a brag. Yeah. No, no, no. Well, it no, is a no, humble no, brag because he's trying like, to like, oh, you know. Oh, I like, felt so bad. It didn't feel, it, it didn't it feel didn't quite feel. right. 80,000 people. And then he talks about like going, but it's really weird because does he try to be relatable? I couldn't work it no. out. I, I, no, no, but not that, obviously. But isn't relatability his thing? Yeah, that's maybe in a way. Well, it's that, that's and that's something I also hate. You know, I like my big my. If you're going to be a massive stadium selling superstar, dress like it, and that's his shtick. Like, no, I just wear my flannel shirt, my little shitty mm. jeans. I come out alone with my acoustic guitar. I don't bring musicians. I don't bring any kind of fancy kind of stage setup. Well, I haven't seen the stage. Is the stage fancy? Yeah, Rob is nodding his head. Okay, the stage is fancy, but it's just him on his own with his ped pedals delaying and stuff. And it's like that's his thing. Like. I'm a busker in a stadium. <laughs> I, I saw um, him play live once. He's god awful. Mm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'd, I'd enjoy it. I'm sure because when some when someone's at the top of their game, I always say it. It's like it's it's for a reason, and I can appreciate that. I've got to say, when I see a one person band playing to eighty thousand people over mm. five nights, I just think, oh my god, think of how much money you're earning. I know. <laughs> well, it's like DJs, you know, like D DJs just travel alone with a USB in their pocket, and they don't have to pay for like roadies, technicians, tour managers. Well, maybe tour one manager, tour manager. Maybe, yeah. yeah, but some of them travel alone. It's like, ah, well, yeah, yeah. yeah. The big ones always have a, someone to roll their joints for them, like Snoop. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's a good economy being a solo artist on tour. So I, I suggested we listen to an Ed Sheeran song. Um, and I don't know why, but I've put in the one I probably like least on the whole album. Maybe just because <laughs> it... Just to prove our point. Yeah, just to prove our point. This is like... It, okay, it should be really cute, okay? It's it's a song for his daughter. It's a lullaby. Oh. He was like, oh, what should, I, what should I play for my daughter? And you're like, think, oh, that that's quite sweet, actually. And <laughs> I literally can't stand it. So this goes out for... This is, goes out for Rob. Rob, this song is for you. You're going to love it. It's Ed Sheeran with Sandman. You were loved before you had a right Every day that love just multiplies Daddy made your bed and your lullaby I remember why I hate him. If you ever work in retail, you're gonna uh, hate him. Oh. This just brought me war flashbacks. I suddenly was a, a person working at a clothing shop and, and I hated it. Oh, His voice is just retail... Mm, Shopping boys. You're absolutely yeah. right. Yeah, he's yeah. kind of filled the void that was left by James Blunt because he he's, he decided to not he didn't really need to sell make any more music. He lives comfortably in Ibiza and he probably listens to Ibiza acoustic guitar house. But I and now I love James Blunt because of how how great he is on Twitter, r r dishing it out back out. It's like you know what I 
I'd probably have a night out with James Blunt. Things Johan likes. James Blunt. Keen, I didn't say I like eating scabs. You are really coming as <laughs> well in this. I am. I am an embodiment of guilty pleasures. Uh, but yeah, but Ed Sheeran doesn't cut. It doesn't reach it. I'd, I'm not saying I listen to James Blunt albums. Keen. Keen is my my James Blunt. So now we're gonna have <laughs> people are gonna have to re- depend on our musical tastes as we assess our album of the week. I don't know if they can. They might just think we've completely gone. Uh, uh, we've gone too far. No, but I mean, this, I, I've, I have witnessed... It's war on drugs, we should war say. War on drugs is uh, I Don't Live Here Anymore is our album of the week. And I've mentioned it three times this morning. And all the girls in the office, including Mar and Ainara, they were like, ugh, blah, Mar, let's hear you. What, what did you. How did you react to the war on drugs? I'm just going to say one thing and then I'm going to let you talk because I don't have much nice things to say. I'm just happy. My um, the Spotify rap thing ended um, like the data collection they do for the Spotify rap ended um, this Sunday and it's not in my data collection um, thing and it's gon- not gonna somehow pop up in my Spotify wrap up because I wouldn't be thrilled to have them on there just saying that but why why what does it what does it suggest like be, be honest bear it all like when I you hear this thing tell me what you really think I just didn't connect with it at all I, I was just was just playing and yeah. I was not feeling it because you're a young person I think you're not supposed to like war the war on drugs which is what we're analyzing today I felt the same way when I was your, your age about ABBA about mm, hang on hang on hang on don't drag ABBA I know but when I was young I was like ABBA really ugh and I remember this uh, this indie band they were DJing at Benicassim uh, La Habitación Roja and they played an ABBA song and I'm like really they killed my vibe it's like ABBA I didn't I, I was totally like I would listen to it it's like they were playing Waterloo and it's like why are you playing this why are you playing this? like I wasn't even angry like Gathe <laughs> still ABBA uh, and now it's like oh, I would I would jump in front of a bus for ABBA so it's like this weird thing why do we why are we so averse to certain sounds no that remind us of the music that our parents like that it's like a grown up thing it's like does it affect our fear of growing old is that what this music makes you feel like it makes you afraid of like becoming this person who whose hair grows out of the ears and you have to <laughs> buy a special kind of snippet thing to get the, the hairs out because you can't reach you need a special mirror to see where it is you know is that the fear of, of listening to the war on drugs i'm happy because it's it sounds like all the stuff that i now love it sounds like dire straits it sounds like 80s bruce springsteen it's uh it's music that's destined to fill large arenas played with a live band they've been perfect this 80s AOR for for a while now and I was reading an article about dad rock which com- which was talking about how Wilco is the was the ultimate dad rock band for for indie lovers well now Warren drugs have followed a similar pattern the Wilco started becoming even massive apart uh, from the moment uh, Yankee Hotel Foxtrot was voted the greatest album of the century, blah, blah, blah. And then they followed with The Ghost is Born and then Sky Blue Sky. You know, they were on their imperial phase, no? shall we say. Same thing is happening with The War on Drugs. They've been, this is mm, ever since mm, their previous two albums, uh, the, the, the previous one won a Grammy and everything. You know, they're in their, in, they're in their imperial phase. They are now the band that dads are looking forward to seeing at a large festival or in a large arena. Um, the album itself, 
Uh, I think it's wonderful. I, li- I, ri- I liked what they said about them on Pitchfork, which is where I usually go to read my reviews, like any other indie dad. This isn't real music, like some errant YouTube comment might suggest, but it's transparent music, a more direct ratio of instrument to sound, where every guitar and snare and synth coming through the mix sounds exemplary. This is the simple trick of the war on drugs. It's easy to ignore the daffy myth- myth- mythopoetics of um, uh, Granducial's songwriting and just listen to the alchemy this band has perfected, a complex machine that produces something joyously simple. I agree with that. I was going to say that I I am not a particular fan of the war on drugs, but I listened to I did quite enjoy it in in a way. I like I like the obvious attention they they put into it. Like they obviously spent a long long time working on the sound and getting all all kind of right. I'm sort of slightly handicapped by the fact I don't like Bruce Springsteen, so I don't really like someone else sounding like Bruce Springsteen all, all that much. But I did, I did enjoy some of it. The one thing I really thought. Uh, particularly this song, I don't, li- uh, I don't live here anymore. Which is what we're listening. Yeah. To. I just wanted someone to sample it. I wanted someone to sample it and make an absolute banger out of it. Yeah, you know. Um, and I found that quite distracting because I couldn't quite get into the song. I was just like, look, just take that bit and speed it up and add some like ravey, ravey drums. A lot of it. a lot of War on Drugs songs uh, are good for DJ sets for like mid tempo house. If you just add a little soft beat or even without adding a beat, just like sort of putting, just like you'd put like some early '80s new wavy track in in the middle of a of a techno set or something. It has a that new wavy kind of slow dance like Flock of Seagulls or. I don't know, OMD and stuff, uh, but with more guitars. No, it's that that beautiful sweet spot of 80s soft rock. So it's like basically 80s soft rock done by contemporary musicians that would fall into the indie band category in America because indie in America is different from European concepts. But anyway, oh, but this song, just uh, let's listen to a little bit of this. My memories like just dying in slow motion but getting stronger every day I never took our love for granted you never left me one it's the sound of the wind entering through. You know when you when you're going driving really fast along the coastline and you you, you lower the window because it's summer and the the hair is the wind is blowing your hair. That is the sound of this music. And look 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 this. Darkness on our own. I swear I was crying the other day, riding my bicycle, listening to this on my AirPods. Not to do. I don't recommend it if you're doing it in traffic. Do it along the promenade. And when they sing that, we're all just walking through the darkness on our own. I got a little tear in my eye, a tear of joy, but it's one of those things. But then last night I was listening, thinking about it, holding my my baby daughter. It's like, I am no longer walking in the darkness on my own. No, but in this album is apparently inspired by him becoming a father, right? Yes. So, so I don't. But so he's got. Yeah. I don't know where this gloom comes from. It's like once you're a dad, there is no darkness. Mark, what would you prefer to listen to War of Drugs, to listen to Ed Sheeran, or to eat one of your scabs? Eat <laughs> <laughs> my, eat every single one of my scabs for oh. breakfast until I die. <laughs> anyway, 
well, but, that's that reviewed. I, I thought it was all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, so this is what happens. You become a dad. I, it's been happening. This transformation has been happening to me with my musical taste for a while now. Before becoming a dad, you know, it's it's been a, it's been ages since I've been a Fleetwood Mac fan, and I love AOR and uh, all that kind of beautiful late seventies, early eighties uh, radio rock, American radio rock formula. But what's been happening to me in recenter years? more recent years is that I've started to embrace the most dad genre of all the bolero the romantic chanson these ma- these male singers who dressed elegantly and came on stage to spend two hours just singing crooning ballads and especially the Latin American crooners right? from Julio Iglesias to Armando Manzanero and one of my absolute now favoritest of all, Luis Miguel. Pure schmaltz at its finest. It is just so re-comforting. So I, as once again, Luis Miguel, really, I came home one day and my my girlfriend is watching Netflix, really excited on the on the couch, and she's watching a TV show about Luis Miguel. And I'm like, what? A series about this Mexican singer of ballads is like, what are you doing? And she's like, yo, you, I'm I'm the biggest Luis Miguel fan. Shut up, let me watch it. I'm like, whatever, no. And then all of a sudden, I I see that Oscar Jaina, that uh, this Spanish actor who's Who's, who, who's managed to make the jump to Hollywood? Uh, he played uh, he played Camarón incredibly. He played Cantinflas. He uh, he he gets hired in Hollywood to play uh, um, drug dealers or or henchmen or you know the Latino kind of uh, uh, gun for hire. You know he's he's, he's making a, a good sort of career anyway so all of a sudden he plays Luis Miguel's father Luisito Rey who is infamous uh, and he is like the most enjoyable villain ever in a in a tv show um, because this is this is the life story of Luis Miguel the singer ever since he became a child prodigy musical star in Mexico and um, and the and his 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 incredible relationship with his father his mother and all the people around him anyway so this week saw well. Uh, they've just last week they uploaded the entire season three all in one go, not one episode uh, by the week, and it puts closure to the life story of Luis Miguel up until now. It tells it right up to uh, pr- practically the present day, and it focuses the season three focuses on Luis Miguel's financial troubles, and the show structure is really I think it's inventive. I don't I don't remember other shows. I mean other shows must have done this. Usually every season. Every episode jumps between three different timelines. It jumps back and forth through flashbacks. So in season three, we're jumping back and forth between 1997, which is when he begins his romance with Mariah Carey. I didn't know that. I was looking that up. I didn't know they had a thing. I know. And it's and it's fascinating. I, this is the thing. I wasn't paying so much attention to gossip magazines in, in the late 90s. Um, so the, 97, 2001, when he's like uh, going through his uh, struggles with his manager and his company and legal battles and stuff. And uh, 2017, when he is like really, really on the verge of ruin, right? Because my, my girlfriend told me this. I didn't even need to Tell, uh, look through, look it up. He in 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 the last sort of decade, he was terrible. He was canceling shows. Uh, he appeared drunk to sing in these concert festivals, and and even he's an incredible singer. Like he really is virtu- a virtuous singer. He is so good 
as a singer, he never had to write original material. He has made an, an, an incredible four-decade career or five decades, no, four decades, of singing standards, singing covers, singing uh, version, yeah, uh, sped uh, pop covers of, 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 of classic songs. Kind of like Tom Jones, like a Latin Tom Jones, but even Tom Jones had like original songs written for him. Luis Miguel's biggest hits are other people's songs. But it's like he was so charismatic. He is so charismatic and he's so like, like he's like a divine pop star. And all he does, he's been doing it ever since he was a child. Uh, he comes really elegant on stage. You know, even as a child star, he was he'd wear suits. His father would put him in suits and ties and he'd have this massive hair, like really, uh, really wild. But but, he, you know, it was that was his thing. He's always been a romantic singer. And there's a moment when Mariah Carey is trying to help him break America. Because Luis Miguel sold 140 million records. Like he is one of the biggest stars in Latin America, in Latin America and Spain and, and all over the world. But he never really broke America. And um, that part of the uh, of the series focuses on how Mariah, who was like soup, like this is post Tommy Matola Mariah. This is Mariah was the empress of pop music. She was she'd already been killing it in the charts. Uh, she'd made millions, millions, millions selling um, the the when she had the hit singing Hero and uh, Without You. I remember it was on constant rotation. That was when she was still with Tommy Mottola. But when she finally left Tommy Mottola and she got the divorce, she was like fire. She was like the queen of the 90s, right? So she's like trying to help Luis Miguel break into America, trying to get him into Hollywood, trying to, trying to get him to do duets, trying to get him to do an American songbook standards with David Foster, the producer who was like the, basically one of the, the producers who every, everyone he touched had a hit, right? Uh, and it's, it's a beautiful moment where she's like, he's, she's like he, she gets him or, or, she, or she kind of helps him to get this considered for a role. It's like, really? You guys considered a guy who's not an actor? He's famous, okay, and, and he's very associated with Mexico. He's the soul of Mexico. He's the son of Mexico. You guys really wanted to put an, an amateur actor, even though he's a famous pop star, you wanted to make him the, the protagonist of a swashbuckling film with two of Britain's greatest, like, real thespians? Uh, how, what, what kind of crack do you people smoke <laughs> in Hollywood? Like, really? You're going to spend, like, I don't know, how many millions of dollars on a movie with an untrained actor who's just a... F and, and, you know, you can see that he's... He hasn't even read the script. He's going to the costume tryouts and stuff. And it's like, and thank goodness, there's a moment that is so beautiful. It's like Luis Miguel says, look, I'm not an actor. I don't do Hollywood. I am a cantante. And that is what Luis Miguel has always done and been. He is a singer. He goes on tour and he records albums of songs. He selects the songs that fit his vocal range. There's a beautiful moment. He actually recorded a duet. I did not know this. He recorded a duet with Mariah Carey. And, and they tried to do the worst insult you could do to an actor. I'm not going to spoil it, but you can imagine. They tried to use technology on his voice. And he's like, what? What? You, you guys did something to my voice. What is this? You know? And it's like, uh, how dare you? How dare you try to put this effect on one of the greatest singers in pop music ever? You know, this man, I saw him live and he sings with the microphone ne near his pelvis that far away from his mouth and he fills an auditorium with his voice you know it's incredible and um and so yeah i'm getting all these goosebumps anyway so then there's this thing about this season three 
every time it jumps back and forth, there's a title card that says where we're at, no? the location of the city and the year, just so that you don't lose yourself. No? So it's like every time the title card says Beverly Hills 2017, Luis Miguel is like lounging in his beautiful mid-century modernist villa in Beverly Hills. So it's Beverly Hills 2017. And he's always drunk. It's like when he's at his lowest point, you know, he's always drunk. He's always got a glass of whiskey in his hand or a cup of burgundy wine, right? And he's, and he's bickering at his lawyers, ordering them, treating them like shit. And it's like, Luis Miguel makes the worst decisions ever. He fires the, the very people who are trying to protect him and save him. He fires them. He treats them badly. He humiliates them. It's like you're not you're you're not doing your job right. You know, it's like Luis Miguel. You you canceled a concert. You you know you're breaking the contracts. You're 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 not being a professional. You know, yes, you're a god. Everyone loves you, and but you know, pro. You know, you gotta don't forget that there are there are million dollars these millions of dollars that he has to pay for fucking up. Sorry, uh, it's just a joy to watch. It's like. That is my mood. Whenever I'm feeling hungover or like, ah, I just don't want to get up on the sofa, it's Beverly Hills 2017. <laughs> I'm in that mood. You know when you've had too much to drink and you feel like empalagoso, you know, like your, your face is kind of bloated from the alcohol? That's Beverly Hills 2017. <laughs> it's the mood. Um, and, Luis, and it's amazing how during three seasons, we followed this guy treating the people... Uh, he who who love him, his family and stuff, like not not taking proper care of them, letting relationships go away and stuff, firing the wrong people, but you still root for him. You still want him to do good. And you understand that he has so many trust issues because you see what his father did to him. Even though his father loved him and obviously exploited him, like all fathers of pop stars do, like Jamie Spears, like Joe Jackson, but Luisito Rey, uh, you know, he stole from him, he conned him. He's like the worst father ever, okay? He gave him drugs to stay awake, to perform at night. You know, this kind of stuff is like, oh my God, the worst dad ever. So you understand it's like Luis Miguel has terrible trust issues because he couldn't trust anyone. He was betrayed by the people closest to him. So it's like one of those life lessons. Anyway, so that's my whole like love of Luis Miguel. Now I just want to dress in Brioni suits. I want to drink the most expensive Burgundy wines. Uh, and like he does, I want to just lounge on my chair and just tell people around me that they're not doing the job that the best job that they could because I am not comfortable. Uh, I am I'm getting all these trouble, legal problems. Why? Why do I have these deudas with Hacienda? Someone is fucking up and it's not me. What? Why do I pay you people for? You know this kind of boss move all the time. I paid for the most expensive concert tickets to take my girlfriend to see Luis Miguel, and I would pay it again. Aww. It was one of the greatest experiences ever. And uh, that is all we have time for, ladies and gentlemen. Watch Luis Miguel on Netflix, three seasons of absolute pure joy. This was the weekly review. Esperando tu amor, o esperando tu olvido.